This week on Not Sauce for Work, Terry Tam returns and Eagle is on production duty. On this week's show, we discuss some of the topics surrounding the NBA playoffs, the Trevor Bauer suspension, and we review the FPF draft with, F- with PFF's Seth Galina. We also take a moment to reflect on Robinson Cano's tenure with the Mets. We'll get into this and much more on this episode of Not Sauce for Work on the Hot Sauce Sports Podcast Network. for work on the House of Sports Podcast Network. Um, you figure for someone who reads so much, I'd be better at reading. I keep making mistakes on the cold open that I wrote myself. <laughs> do you read it before? Uh, yeah, I not only do I read it before, I write it before. and I, I But like, I'll, read, I'll write it and I'll not notice typos until I'm reading it live and then I read the typo <laughs> and then oh, it, it throws me off. Uh, Terry, how was vacation, man? Vacation was great. It was very relaxing. Most nights I was in bed by 10. We ended up switching last second to go to Cuba. We were supposed to go to Dominican, but we went to Cuba. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Five, yeah, five star. I went from Costa Rica to Dominican to Cuba. Literally the day before we changed our, our, uh, our destination, we went to Cuba. Good deal. Five star. Food was below average. Um, I mean, that's pretty beaches, Yeah, beaches were beautiful. A little windy, but it was good to go. Met this beautiful 87-year-old man. He's about four foot three. Pulling out articles of how he was some kickboxing champion in Cuba in the '60s, beautiful human being. That's awesome. And uh, I saw him every day. He would play the cl- he would play the clarinet on the beach. I think I have a picture of me me and him did, talking. Did you Great fight guy. him? Did you fight him? He he would actually like you know drop down and like throw punches at my chin, so I would have to like <laughs> block it. But like he would get over my hand. Like I'm like I'm literally two feet taller than you. My reaction time is so slow. I would just get hit in the jaw. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, he he was a good guy. But uh, Cuba was beautiful, man. It's yeah, the sure. people are amazing. The guests are most of them are garbage, but the, the yeah. people of Cuba are great. We got a great guest though. We have Seth Galina joining us from Pro Football Focus. We're gonna go over some draft stuff. Matt McKenzie filled in for you last week, by the way, his first appearance on the show. That dude, great is awesome. guy, great show. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, salute Matt McKenzie, man. Because this yeah. is not an easy like the pacing of the show is it a little awkward at times. So yeah, also being being with you, whereas like you you run the show, right? So yeah. you even even with me, you run the show. So it's it's like. You're always gonna get like the I mean, first word in, and Matt for him to like sometimes he would take a step back and then come in with like a with a fire line. It was he was good. Matt was yeah. Uh, he he was good at working in the windows and and yeah. the fact that he did it on remote in his first time on the show, it was awesome. Rockstar, man. yeah, rockstar. Uh, we got a hectic show, so we'll just get right into it. Terry, it's time for the news. Terry, it's the news. How much did you miss hearing that for two weeks? I'm not going to say my original line that I usually say. I've decided to not say it anymore. Okay. So zero points. How much did I miss the news? Uh, I missed that Matt didn't pick up on the fact that you said Terry. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was a little nervous to start the show. He's like, he's like, he's like, didn't know if he, he made a mistake or I was listening to us. I couldn't see his face. But like, I, he was like, did you make a mistake? I, he didn't want to jump in and, 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 uh, and correct you. But then you didn't elaborate on it either. So I was, I was, like, oh. was kind of hoping you would. Yeah. I was going to pretend to blast him. <laughs> or maybe. <laughs> Never correct me on the air. Maybe Never. it's become so matter of fact to our viewers, it doesn't matter who the second person is. They are always Terry in our hearts. Yeah, just like, just, the like Royal Portnoy Terry. He, just like Portnoy when he does his pizza reviews, he's always like, okay, Frankie, but it hasn't been Frankie for like three years. So well, one guy know. actually, one that. of That's his interns, awesome. one of his interns, his name wasn't Frankie, legally changed his name to Frankie to get the As job. Should. And he yeah. didn't get the job. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Uh, well, at least he can go to Hollywood. Um, yeah. So the, the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs are in full swing. This amazing stat uh, came across my Twitter line, uh, my Twitter feed uh, as I was watching. Uh, I'm sorry, as I was watching games last night, but it was about the Heat and and Sixers game from the night before. Uh, with DeAndre Jordan on the floor, the Sixers were outscored by 71.5 points per hundred possessions. Uh, they scored 29 points on 33 offensive possessions. Uh, allowed 51 points on 32 possessions. That 1.59 per is 0.5 percent. Uh, sorry, 0.5 points higher 
than the best offense in the NBA during the regular season. They basically said, oh, DeAndre, DeAndre um, Jordan is on the court, and they ran pick and roll every single time right at him. No matter who he was guarding, pick and roll, put him, put him on a guard, and he can't, he can't keep up. Is it just me, or like have guys like kind of forgotten how to play defense in the NBA? It's not, no, because like if you watch the Heat, that's defense. If you watch... Yeah. Um, no, I'm saying in general, like watch Rudy Gobert, like he's kind of like... It's the I problem mean, is they're not... They're not the skill set. Like the, the the game changed, and the type yeah. of defense they play is not as valuable. Like Rudy Gobert was winning Defensive Player of the Year for like three years when the, he was being subbed off in the fourth quarter because when teams start to run like you know high roll screens and and start to shoot from the perimeter, like he 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 can't guard the perimeter. He doesn't move his feet well. DeAndre Jordan is the same thing. They're rim protectors. They're great at that, but yeah. like well. The thing is, the game is played so much on the perimeter that it's less of a big deal. What, what you have now is guys like Bam Adebayo um, or even um, Mikal Bridges who are just these tall guys who are incredibly fast, who can guard the perimeter, guard the paint. And like that, to me, is the new like prototype for the NBA. It's, it's just that... There's not enough of those guys in the NBA yet. It's it's still like a diamond in the rough, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I just don't know enough, but I'm just seeing guys that I always thought were like decent on defense or good on defense that are kind of getting exposed a little bit. So yeah. I figure like maybe the it league just, is changing a bit. What defense means in the NBA changed. And, okay, and there you go. That makes more sense. So I, it, remember, I mean, there's just growing pains, I guess. Yeah. Right? In, in the first round, I was watching Bam Adebayo um, cover Trey Young behind the arc, and I was like. Oh yeah, he should have been in contention for defensive player of the year because he's guarding one of the best shooters in the world. Yeah. And he's a center. And he's doing it and sh- and there was a game when he was 2 for 12. So the fact that he only got 12 shots off and only made two of them, both things are ridiculous when they're trying to attack the center and they can't. You don't have an NBA team, right? You're not a Miami. No, I, I'm an, guy. I, I I I joked with uh, Matt McKenzie last week. I am Rob Lowe at the Super Bowl with the oh, uh, just the an NFL NBA hide. cap. <laughs> Actually, I, I I laughed at that, and I was thinking I saw a guy. Where did I see him? He was just wearing an AFC hat. <laughs> where did I fucking That's see? Awesome. I, I don't I've know where, but he, I didn't know that existed. Yeah, he was just wearing like an A. Oh, I think it, oh, it was at a UFC event. I guess he was on TV. He was on camera. He was right behind the cage. Like he had front row seats, and he's just wearing like a white hat with the AFC logo. And I was like, it's just a, it's a weird like you're only supporting that side. Like it's weird. It's so weird. I will say, like I'm, I support, I tend to like good organizations. So I like what the Raptors have done in the last five, six years. I like what the Heat have done since Pat Riley's been part of the organization. I used to like the way I found the Lakers, like as a family business, kind of to be charming, um, until most recently where it just all sort of fell apart. Um, yeah. And and I and I like. You know, for example, look, the way the Suns are constructed. I've I've been a champion of of that team build. You know what I mean? More than more than fandom for a specific city or team. Um, that's just the way I am with basketball. I just like the game a lot. I think it's the healthiest way to be a basketball fan. Because oh, I'm league... not stressed at all. But like, yeah. Great. I mean, like, listen, I've like I've I've been going back and forth to this, but like, supporting the Pacers has literally gone me heartbreak. Five hundred, not even heartbreak, just like a five hundred feeling every year. <laughs> Like, I know they might you be in the like playoffs. feel like Jeff Fisher every day. Every day. And, like, they didn't make the playoffs this year. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, that makes sense. But then if they make the playoffs, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense too. <laughs> yeah, they're always about – they're somewhere between the 10th and 6th seed. Yeah, like, I know. Like, last year they finished 4th, I think. Yeah. So, like, there's – they always have, like, maybe – yeah, because because Sabonis had, like, a great year, you know? Like, so Doma was on fire last year. So they made it – they finished, like, 4th or 5th. But, like, yeah. they were good. They were a decent team, but anyway. Fuck the Pacers. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Taking that back. Um, it just and most when indecisive flip ever. When I'm watching this uh, series between the Sixers and Heat, obviously Joel Embiid being out changes the Sixers. They're not the same team, but man, they're just they're throwing everything they can at Harden. Harden is doing the Harden thing of just holding onto the ball. And there was a point in the game, Tyrese Maxey refused to sit next to Harden on the bench because the it just seems he to smells. be an unenjoyable situation where like he's putting up assists but it's just stats for stats sake it's not like stats that help your team win you know what i mean like like he just gives the ball and the guy shoots it yeah and and, (laughs) but like in some situations in some situations he puts up a bad shot in some situations you know it's three in the paint or or whatever it is and and they lose possession and um he's not getting to the foul line the way he used to his body is starting to betray him because 
Turns out you can't get fouled 12 times a game and go to the strip club every night till 5 o'clock in the morning and oh, no? pound drinks oh. and expect to be a great in your 30s, right? Like, I'll write that down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can't <laughs> important go, can't get lappies and expect to be a fucking pro bowler. It's, if, if Embiid doesn't come back, I... I can't see how this game, how the series goes past four games. That's it's weird, no? Because like Philly was like uh like a kind of like a sleeper fan favorite. Like it was like oh Philly might be doing some damage in the playoffs. And well, but like they have a bo- take like, one guy out. They have Embiid, who's an MVP candidate, right? Who's not yeah. there? That, that's obviously a big deal. Huge. But it's also that James Harden is not the MVP James Harden from three years ago. He has he's also he's become a secondary player, and you can't make you can't. Help, have him be your primary guy anymore. And Joel Embiid, it was a perfect uh, relationship. We've spoken about this a bunch of times where like Embiid and Harden, that's fucking... Yeah, like, it's, an, it's, that's, a, it's a nice one-two punch. It's a nice one-two punch because of the way the places on the court where they operate, the opposite of, of Westbrook and LeBron, right? Where the two guys do the same thing. It's not going to work because there's one basketball. Here yeah, are exactly. the complementary pieces that work really well. And and then Maxi was getting open looks because you can't not double Embiid in the paint. Um, and Embiid's a good passer, and he's a good changes ball handler, everything. so it changes uh, changes the look of the offense. Um, the other series that caught my eye, we, we're not going to go through every series, obviously, but you know, we we look we focus more on storylines. The storylines in the Grizzlies Warrior games is the flagrant fouls. Here's Draymond Green on his own podcast, immediately, like within an hour after the game from the hotel, talking about the flagrant foul that he got. I am dumb enough to think that it would not even be a flagrant one that, you know, the the playoffs are a little tougher and not as soft as the regular season, you know, and that, um, you know, you can, you can bump a little more and you get away with a little more, you know, like I think tonight uh, was probably a reputation, a reputation thing more so than, um, a hard foul. By definition, if we go through the definition of a flagrant two foul, I'm not sure that that play would quite be the definition of a flagrant foul. I'm not sure it would meet that criteria. I mean, you're not sure, then, you know, like, you know, maybe not talk about it. You're the guy in the league, you know. But this is the way I feel about Draymond Green. I like that he does this this podcast. Yeah. I like that he comes out and he just talks shit. Like I always felt like reps should be interviewed after games. Like uh, getting a different like the fact that Draymond Green's giving us his perspective. I like it. I never really liked Draymond Green. I find like he complains a lot and you know he's dirty, the kick in the nuts. He's like, oh, I got suspended last so, year for that kick so in the, the nuts, the, and it's like the dirtiness. He hasn't been that, but yeah, I agree. Like my first impression, Terry, I was, I'm with you. I thought he was just a dirty player. He hasn't been that for a while, to be fair. Yeah, to, to yeah be no, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that, and uh, I'm kind of. I'm kind of going to turn a new leaf when it comes to Draymond. And I like the flip-off the other day. And he's like, I make $25 million a year. I can fucking afford the flip-off. Yeah. So, like, the fact for, for love, I, you know what? Just be you. I, yeah. Be you. Like, KD, when he got rid of all his Twitter, his fake Twitter accounts and all that stuff, he started becoming KD, you know? I, and I feel like it's he the same thing. He started becoming with, fun on Twitter, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like Draymond's lame good. as shit to be yeah. fun on Twitter. Like, Draymond's great, too. Like, And I've always, you know, respected him. I never thought he was, like, the best defensive guy in the league. But, you know, give him his respect, credit where credit is yeah. due. But, and he was always just a baby. But now you can hear him and you're, you're not hearing him just complain on the, on the court anymore. You're hearing his, his thought process and how he, how he assesses these things. And a lot of players, I think that when we see them, like, OBJ has kind of become a different guy. But, like, he's the same thing with Draymond Green. I always feel like he complained too much and... And I'm I'm getting to the point now where it's like I see Green and I'm like I relate to this guy more than I can relate to most guys because he's just a guy who sees things a little differently. It's an interesting transition where players aren't waiting to be Shaq and, and Chuck anymore. Like they're not waiting yeah. to get the TNT show. They can do it themselves, you know. And and I saw um, uh, not Sean Livingston, the guy I always confuse with Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala. Uh, he's got a show also. Um, which is interesting, and, and the point of that show is the, the him and Evan Turner try and like they, like so, Iguodala is still playing for the Warriors. Uh, Evan Turner's long since retired, but they they're trying to like reshape sort of narratives about like what the media says is it's like in the NBA, and 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 Draymond had that too, where on one of his podcasts he talked about like people say 
Durant left me. He didn't leave me. He went to go work at a different place. That happens yeah. all the time in America. Yeah, people <laughs> like, just I'm, say, "Hey, I'm I don't want to friends work with, with KD." Like it's, he's like, we just, you know, like it was a different work experience that he wanted. It's he's there, good. and I'm here. He's the, he talk. works there. I work here. That's all yeah. it is. And so it's cool to to see players have that agency. And um, I think there's 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 a role uh, for media, but I think we're heading more towards media has to get more analytical and. Let the players shape the actual narrative because they're the ones living the experience. You know what I mean? I so uh, I think the, the Skip Bayless is, uh, uh, will not have the same role in the future. No, Skip Bayless go fuck himself. Indeed. <laughs> hey, himself. Cowboys fan. So. Yeah, I mean, Cowboys fans are shit. Like, uh, just, <laughs> A lot of them the most, are, unfortunately. Yeah, for the most part, they're just all fucking assholes now. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other And the, the ones that aren't assholes are assholes sometimes, like me. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, the, uh, the other... The other uh, flagrant two that happened uh, happened on Memphis's behalf. Uh, here's Dylan Brooks going to the basket. Crack the seal. Payton right down the middle. He's oh. fouled hard. So, while well, I was listening to this, so what happened? Did his arm he's break? The left arm. He uh, he's out for the rest of the playoffs. I believe he broke or fractured. Because you can't. There's no angle that shows how his arm bent. It's funny though because not not for him. It's funny because it reminds me of the. Of Tom Segura when he fell trying to slam dunk. Did you see that? Yeah, of course. Unbelievable. It reminds me exactly of that. Tom Segura, like, in his defense, he laughs at people getting hurt. Like, that that was a thing on his podcast. Yeah. But so he's willing to take it too. Like, he was good with people making fun of him too because it's a ridiculous injury. I know. He he got hurt there. Um, It was a cheap hit because it's a hit to the head, um, deserving of flagrant too. I think there's a bit of an overreaction because. Uh, Gary Payton Jr. is done, and like he, you, when he's gotten oh. hit in the air, Dylan Brooks doesn't know how he's gonna fall, right? So like, yeah. there's a bit but, of like a, that's a smash against the back of the head, like yeah, no, he hit him like, hard. He hit him hard. He didn't. Nowhere, have to, he was at like, least two you, feet away from the ball. Like. If you've played basketball, you can alter a shot just by getting inside someone's arm, right? Like yeah, of course. And that's that's a foul. You, you're probably not even gonna get a flagrant one. But There's that, nobody that's more defenseless than somebody that's in the air. Like, look at yeah. the NFL. Like, guys, like, catching balls in the air, they just get annihilated, right? The Troy Palomalu had read days. But, like, he was he was out there. He was out there for center ice, fresh meat, and came over, smacked in the back of the head. And it's just – it's a dirty play, flagrant two. I think a suspension maybe a fine for I, sure. I don't think he, he'll get suspended. Like, a flagrant two is pretty big because you're essentially suspended for that game, right? Like, you're out – from that moment on, there's to me, there's no attempt at that ball. I, I agree. I, honestly, it, yeah. it's a dirty play. Uh, Dylan Brooks, by the way, very good defender. Yeah, uh, he, I, I think he, he. You can make a defense that he just had a bad angle, but he went right at his head. Like he didn't even. Yeah. Again, if you go inside the shoulder, the guy's gonna ro- sort of rotate and fall. It's it's, it's like a basketball doesn't have a. I was gonna say that it's not true. Basketball has a ton of unwritten rules. One of the unwritten rules is you don't take a guy out in the air. Uh, there's a way to do it. He didn't. He didn't follow suit there. Um, the other story, as Eagle steps away and can't change the screen, I love doing that to him. Um, the other story I wanted to, to draw your attention to: uh, an unprecedented suspension for Trevor Bauer. Uh, he got 324 games. I can't tell you the sources because uh, I promised I wouldn't. But uh, two sources: one f- used to be within Major League Baseball. Another one is currently with a Major League Baseball team. Both of them told me there was something, there are things within the police report that bothered Major League Baseball, and they were not looking forward to having Trevor Bauer return to the league. The, the one thing quoted to me by both parties were the, the accusation that uh, he penetrated a woman who was unconscious. And the idea being that... Uh, someone has the right to consent throughout intercourse um, and that someone who's unconscious can't consent is the... I mean, I think... I don't think that we can argue that, right? What? That's what I mean. Like, like you can go back and forth and, and I know what he's posting all over Twitter, but that's the part where, for me, it, it gets dicey is I don't think anyone can disagree that an unconscious person can't consent. Even if you consent to that Ahead of time, it just still yeah. It would get into weird. one of those like fantasy role play type of things, right? Where it's like you have a safe word, but then again, you can't really you can't use that in a safe unconscious situation. Yeah, right? like like it's it's very gray. In fact, fifty shades of territory. I, I knew you were going with that. The daddest of all dad jokes, but yeah. Can you go? 
So Eagle I'm not can, surprised. Eagle can go full douchebag jokes and then full dad jokes all the time. Like on a dime, he just switches. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He's two, he's two people at all times. He's Moon Knight. Um, the, the thing is, I... I um, seeing this, I, I'm I'm of two minds, and I want to know your thoughts on this, Terry. One is, this is MLB trying to say, Trevor Bauer, thank you for your time. You're no longer welcome because this ostensibly would end his career because he'd be 35 by the time he returns and not. Have yeah, I mean, listen, years. I don't think it'll end his career. Go. What's your second? My take? second is the M- and it's a little more cynical. The MLB lays this giant suspension so they look like the good guy. The union is going to fight it uh, because they have to. And then it's going to get reduced. And then MLB is going to be like, well, we tried. Time served. And well, that's the thing is, I, we I should sure. go on strike as an ownership group. They've done that <laughs> to the Expos, by the way. It's why we don't have the Expos anymore. <laughs> so the, the only, my only issue with this is that you, you're, if you're a company, you have the right to, if you feel like somebody's done something that's a little sketchy and you don't want the negative backlash, you, like the MLB is already, I'm kind of in the middle of where you are, because I think we're on the same page. It's like they did the right thing by getting rid of a person that may or may not have done these things to somebody else. Now we have to, th- we have to consider the fact that he hasn't been charged with anything. Well, allegations civilly. Civ- yeah. But so alleg- and apparently exa- there's been a third person coming forward yeah. with another story. So and the, I agree and with the saga what they continues. did. Yeah. yeah, and I agree with what they did. Like, you have to get rid of him. Like, the, if only the NFL listened to this and they did this one to Deshaun Watson, I don't think we'd be having the same conversations That's that we are. That's dependent, right? Like, we, yeah. we don't even know where the NFL... And I feel like the NFL will probably do something similar, give a giant suspension, and make it the players' union that looks bad. Imagine like, the NFL just decides to suspend Baker Mayfield. So you're going tr- you're gonna, to you're gonna answer to all of Deshaun Watson's allegations, yeah. and <laughs> that's just you. You're going to do you that for us. You lost him, and also you get yeah. suspended for 324 games in the NFL. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, you know, I, I love know, all the I love all the memes like where Baker Mayfield's waiting for Deshaun Watson to show up to practice. I love all these memes. I I uh, I know we're making light of it, and just it's our personalities. This we don't mean to make light of the situation. Obviously, uh, we take it very seriously. At the same time, you know, we're, we're people that are trying to find humor in in dark situations because Trevor Bauer is also one of the main reasons why. Uh, you, they, the pitchers get checked after every inning now. Well, yeah. maybe not anymore, but like he's the main reason why with the, like the stick'em. What that's was it the called? Thing is people, people are 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 drawing uh, a false uh, equivalents to say like um, this is because the MLB doesn't like him. I'm like, no, he made the MLB a lot of money <laughs> um, while making like money. Because if you read the police reports, which by the way I've done, it's awful stuff. Like if if he because he's also not said that they're not true. He said that she's consented to it, right? Like, that's the murky part of this. Yeah, that's weird. Unless there's, like, a fucking... I mean, it's tough. Like, what's, you have a text message saying, hey, if I'm asleep, you can stick it in. Like, what that's are we... The thing. Like, what, the, what's the... Like, how can you prove yeah. consent? And and how do you prove... Like, how, if someone's sleeping, like, what do you... Unless it's his girlfriend and he's trying to have fun and... I don't know. Like I can't. Yeah. I can't even. I don't even it's want fun. to enter someone, in the maybe. It's someone he yeah. had two encounters with. So he doesn't. He hasn't had extensive conversations with about this specific item. You know what I mean? Um, so, but yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out. We'll, we'll of course continue to report on it as uh, as it continues to move forward. Uh, but let's get to rapid fire. Uh, uh, no, we'll get to uh, an interview that we didn't record before the show with Seth Galina of Pro Football Focus. And when we end that interview in sequence, we will get to rapid fire. And we're back, joining us. Or are we? <laughs> we're something. Um, joining us uh, right now is Seth Kalina. He comes uh, to us courtesy of Pro Football Focus. Uh, we we talked to him a couple weeks ago about you know general stuff in the uh, in the NFL, but we thought it'd be a good idea to bring an actual draft expert uh, to talk to us about the draft. Uh, Seth, I saw you were quite busy over the last couple of weeks. I tried to get you before the draft. Of course, that was a ridiculous ask. So thank you for making time for us and joining us after the draft. No, I mean, I, it has nothing to do with my work. I just didn't want to talk to you. So oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's that, that's, I, uh, Seth has now joined the greater preponderance of most women on earth. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Seth, I want to start things off. We saw, um, before the draft started, before the draft even happened, we saw the, the new high watermark being set by wide receivers. And then on draft night, two high-profile receivers, A.J. Brown and Marquise Brown being traded. Um, is there value from like a analytics perspective uh, for all these wide receivers being uh, treated with the 
percentage of the cap that they are and uh, for the teams that are getting rid of them, is this a good idea or will this set them back and so on? So when you look at like PFF's war numbers, wins above replacement numbers, um, receiver does rank very highly in terms of position groups um, of, um, and, and they are uh, ranked relative to war, certainly on offense and even throughout the whole football field. I push back a little bit about that um, just because obviously so much of the wide receiver wins above replacement is tied to quarterback. And it's always hard to suss out, the, you know, where, where the quarterback stops um, being, you know, the, the value of the quarterback on a, on a given play to the value of the receiver. So that's where I'm like, I'm still trying to figure that out. I think the issue, obviously, a lot of good receivers got drafted and guys who will, who will um, have great rookie seasons like we saw last year. Maybe not quite Jamar Chase, but, you know, how guys will have good rookie seasons. I just think my thing is just like, man, I, you could go find these guys later. There's so many of them. There's so many of them. We also have a hard time, again, with the same idea, like, you know, just looking at their college tape and, and their college production, we can still have a hard time figuring out whether it was on the, you know, the quarterback or them themselves as receivers. So I just think there's too many receivers. Like, and you know, you guys understand this, but like the teams throw the football at the lower levels now. Yeah. And there's receivers running routes getting good training 10 to 12 months a year. You know what I mean? And the best athletes are not playing running back anymore. They're playing receiver and and quarterback for that matter. So it's like every year we say the same thing. Oh, wow, this is such a wide receiver heavy draft. This is such a good wide receiver draft. Well, guess what? We're going to be saying for the next 10 years because it's only getting, it's only the receiver play is only getting better and better and better throughout the league. So it's like, yeah, like they are valuable. But how much of that is tied to the quarterback? And then even if that, that's the case, should we like have a wait-and-see approach in terms of drafting them? Like, Do we need to draft them super early? Um, th- that's kind of my, my, my take on the whole situation. Well, if, they don't, if they're not drafting them super early, I mean, there's the, always the fear that this guy might go, yes. right? Like, I don't know who the player was that, that McVay was laughing at at that press conference. He's the only player he had on his board thinking it was going to fall to him at 104. Well, so and he I'll, didn't I'll end actually, up doing I'll jump it, right? in real so quick, Terry, because like, I have that as a question. Um, and then I'll, I'll let you go too straight, I promise. Um, <laughs> so I've actually thought Bill Belichick gets um, a lot of credit for some things that went right well with his time with the Patriots, but I don't think he's been a particularly great drafter. I think his strength is moving on from draft picks that don't work quicker than a lot of organizations. Um, and then we saw the draft pick... Um, on and that's what, what Terry was was specifically referencing. We saw their draft pick on night one. Um, is this sort of uh, Belichick's ego getting the best of him, or is he just a better talent evaluator than than a lot of the other guys? No, I, I mean, I, I, it, whenever someone says anything about the Patriots negatively in terms of their drafting, it's always like uh, Bill Belichick knows more about me than football, but blah, blah, blah. It's like, you don't have to say that anymore. We don't like, yeah, every NFL GM or head coach probably know, yeah. certainly head coaches know more about football than you. So um, like if you're a media guy, <laughs> yeah. if you're, if you're, if you're like one of us and it's like, so you don't have to say that just because it's Bill Belichick. Like he has not drafted well for freaking six, seven years. Like it's been bad. And it continue, and this was another bad draft that they're not like obviously we don't know how the players are gonna turn out, but we can tell you for sure that the process was bad in this one. They could get lucky and Cole Strange and and, and the receiver and the two running backs that they took like uh, could turn out and be like a Pro Bowl players, like maybe. But at the end of the day, like this was just not a um it's just not the smartest way to go about your business. And then you add in the fact that he just hasn't been good at picking the right players, which is, which is, you know, there's a, a lot of randomness to that, but he just, he personally hasn't been good in the last six, seven years. I think that also it, a lot of GMs or, or coaches in any sport, I mean, I think they, 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 they kind of run with the fact that they might've gotten a guy later than like earlier than they should have or later than they should have. And he ended up panning out or whatever the case may be. But uh, I don't see, 
like I see Belichick as like this mad scientist on the field, but yeah, I kind of like when it comes to drafting, I always felt like they there's just a lot of turnover. It's always like next guy up with that team, and that's not a bad way of doing it. But when it comes to his draft grades and all that stuff, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, a lot of people say that he's not the best drafter. But I don't see it that way because I just don't watch that much college football, so I can't really tell you. I just like when everybody freaked out about Daniel Jones being drafted in the first round. I'm like nobody watched this guy play. Like nobody watched this guy play at but all. Isn't so like, everybody's problem? hating that- on it. Nobody watched him play because he played at Duke because he was not good. Yeah, but I'm like, right? Like that's, chance, that's, that's, right? That's, I mean, if, that's if, the philosophy behind it. What My thing with Daniel Jones, and I mean, I, we're talking about this a couple years later, but Seth, is that nobody, we didn't really watch him play, and everybody was so critical about him. But like, when it comes to the draft, nobody knows if any player is really going to pan out, right? I mean, you're, you're taking your best guess, and, you know, our, uh, our advanced analytics now will tell us a lot differently, and there's more scouts and all this shit. And everybody, there's more video and all that stuff. So I get it. We have a more informed information, but it's still a crapshoot. Well, um, but this, this, and this ties back into the the Patriots draft because no, one, everyone's bad at this. Like literally, like yeah. there's no GM who's been proven to be good at this better than any other GM, especially over the course of a of a career. They're just like no one knows what no one knows which picks are gonna pan out. So when I look at Bill Belichick saying, I only like this guy. Like to me, this is like whatever. Like I only had one first round grade on on a guy, and it's this Cole Strange guard from UT Chattanooga, who a lot of people said was more of a third down player. So like yes, Bill Belichick has had a lot of success, but like we said, he hasn't been good for very long. So he's clearly his evaluations are not are not better than anyone else's. He did hit on a bunch of good players in like the 2000s, yeah. but since then it's just been it's been horrible. You know, since like 2013. So, I think the fact that no one is good at this it's been proven time and time again. No individual GM or team is good at this. Take a look at a consensus opinion of these players. Um, yeah, sadly, like you can't get a consensus opinion through the other teams' draft boards, but you can get a media consensus, like a draft analyst consensus. And you might you might say that's that's you know why would I look at the media board? But like that is very important because if if Cole Strange is consensusly mocked as a third round player, you and you're the one who says no, actually this is a first round player. You're the asshole. Like, you know what I mean? If everyone else is saying that and you're saying this in a sport, in an exercise where no one is ever right more than, you know, three times in a row, you're the one who should look in the mirror. And like, you know, I so you're like, okay, you're like, Cole Strange is the best player I've ever seen. The best player. Has to be. I can, like, like I like Cole Strange. I want, to, I want him on my football team. Wait. And guess what? If he doesn't fall to pick, you know, 96 or whatever in the third round, then he fucking doesn't fall to 96, and it's fine. Yeah. Go take but, another guard. Or you, you can don't, even you trade down into, like, the bottom of the second round and still get him and end up with yeah. the assets, right? Like, yeah, it like, used to be what the Patriots did. Yeah. But it maybe listen, I mean, the Cowboys draft board was leaked, right? And then somebody that went in and just started, like, deciphering where they had, they had Kevin Tebow doing number one and whatever the case may be. And... And, and everybody's like, oh, they drafted Tyler Smith and he was ranked so low. But at the end of the day, that he was the best guy available for them. So for the Pats to draft this kid, he was the best guy available for them and what they need, right? You draft what you need, not what you want, right? I mean, I think that's what te- teams should do. I mean, it's panned out when, like, example, I'll just say the Cowboys because I'm a Cowboys fan. But, like, when they drafted Des Bryant, they didn't need a receiver. They drafted Des Bryant in the first round and it ended up panning out for, for you know, for lack of a lack of a better Terry, argument, so that's one of go those with the guy you want. You can, you can move your pick for more picks, right? Because someone else wants someone in that yeah. slot. So you basically yeah. threw away free draft picks to get a guy who you could get way later on, right? It's just, yeah, you're looking, you're you're looking at strategy. that, but as if as if as if Bill Check ever gave a fuck about anybody else in the league. You know what right, I mean? Like that, he that just seems says, to be a problem. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That seems to be the problem now, where he's like, and I get it. Like you're Bill Belichick, you've won everything. Like. So you you have an ego. We all have an ego, but his ego is telling is is has been his ideas about this drafting thing has been wrong for seven straight years. Yeah. They just they literally haven't taken a good player in seven years. Yeah. Who's, so who's, like, who, okay, so what was their draft board look like this year? I didn't look at the Pats deeply, so I can't really tell you. 
I mean, you know, look, at the end of the day, they, now, position-wise, I think they did what they were supposed to do, quote-unquote, taking a guard. They traded Shaq Mason. Um, they needed a guard. They go and take a guard. But then it's like, okay, well, they need a receiver because we saw last year that Mac Jones did not have the – he didn't have either, like, a pure speed guy or he didn't have a – a real like separator at the wide receiver position. You know, Hunter Henry had a good season, but it's a, that's a tight end. Jacoby Myers yeah. more underneath, but he didn't have that that X type of I can I can win all over the field type of receiver. So what do you do? You go up and you. So like the position wise, it makes sense because they took I think his name is Tyquan Thornton uh, out of Baylor, like four two speed. But it's like you took them so early, you didn't give yourself a chance to like um, be wrong, to be wrong in a sense. And like to, to trade back and, and get more picks that we were talking about. And so it's yeah. like, and again, it's like, I don't really give a fuck what your big board says. If you're taking players two rounds ahead of the consensus, yeah. you talk about Tyler Smith. Okay. But Tyler Smith, like had become mocked as a consensus first round player. So them taking them in, you know, one of the pack, the Dallas, Dallas pick in like the 20s or whatever. Okay, so maybe it was like a f- 10 picks high. Big difference between taking a guy 10 picks high and taking a guy th- two rounds high. Yeah. Seth, um, I keep seeing that the Jets killed this draft and they killed last draft. Please tell me that their organizational incompetence will ruin those draft picks. I don't, want, I don't wish harm on those players, of course, but I just can't live in a world where the Jets are a good football team. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. exist. The Jets are funny because the word on the street that I've heard is that they were timid to do anything in free agency because they're not sold on their quarterback. And well, they, they didn't just want to spend the first round last year. Yeah. Nice. Well, they, also got, they also got my boy Zach White back there. Maybe he can step in. Yeah. Future All Pro Zach White. Yeah. Uh, of course. Mike White, Mike White. Um, Mike White, sorry. Zach White. Your boy that, made, whose name you They're basically know. the same just person. Just made up a like name. Mike, just made Mike up a name. White and Zach Wilson are basically the same person. So. Yeah, there you go. It was Zach Wilson. That was the mix-up, yeah. Um, right. Zach White. So, and Mike Wilson. And Mike Wilson. <laughs> so, so, I, I, so I do think, like, I do like the picks. I mean, they stood there at 4-10, and 10, taking a corner, they need a corner, taking a receiver, they need a receiver. Again, do we know if these are going to pan out? No, but those are the positions. And those, you know, the other thing is, like, did it matter? Like, hey, London was off the board at that. Drake London was off the board, but really, like, you Terrible look at name, the by the way. Was... He has a name of a guy I would not draft in Madden. What's what? the name? Drake London, not drafting yeah. a guy in Madden. Not, never drafting that name ever in London. It's in, like, in Madden. I had the same London. issue with David Boston. What is this, Carmen San Diego? <laughs> These aren't no, real people. He... I was a David Boston guy in Madden. I liked him. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So he was like, big. He was like six five. Yeah. Fake. He had like. He 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 had like really good three years yeah. in like yeah. the early 2000s oh, david boston was a beast and how jacked he was full jack oh well, my we, god we know yeah. now why he was jacked though yeah whatever i'm okay with it take whatever you got to take Take whatever you want i don't give a fuck yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I, i'm, I, I I'm only not okay with my flag when people's lives nothing are... doesn't do anything exactly yeah. uh, i mean I've, ta- I've taken it i'm fine <laughs> well fine adjacent uh, yeah relative term <laughs> the uh, Chris Sims made comments about Kayvon Thibodeau heading into the draft. He said his best tape was in college. Uh, I know he had some injuries late in his college career. Um, our our uh, staff writer and my father, Pops, uh, who, who did our draft analysis, he loves Kayvon Th- uh, Thibodeau. He's also a Giants fan. He's a Giants fan. He's super happy. Um, Didn't he want to trade away all your picks, though? He did. He wanted, yeah. to, tra- he wanted to trade both Giants picks down in the draft. Um but uh, bipolarism. Who's that right? Is fan- who's NFL right? Is it fandom. my dad? Is it my dad or Chris Sims? Seems like an obvious answer. My dad. It's definitely, it's definitely your dad. Yeah, it's a seventy-year-old man who's never worked in the NFL. Guy named Cosmo <laughs> has to be right all the time. But I just got finished telling you guys that everyone who works in the NFL is an idiot. So there like, go. <laughs> there you go. Pops is right. I I I like. Um, I like the position the Giants are in if you're ready to not have a successful season this year. Mm, because yeah, like, like I like the Dolphins a couple years ago. Same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like they've already said they're not picking up Daniel Jones' fifth, fifth year option. So you're getting a new quarterback Shit. next year. 
and you're just stock you're you're stockpiling good players right like that's at the end of the day you're just like, trying to get as many good players as you can and then be bad again to hopefully take a first round quarterback and someone who and again not a reach like daniel jones was like a guy who can set not obviously we don't know how quarterbacks turn out we think they're all tier one guys and they they don't they don't pan out but daniel jones is a hell of a reach Wait, oh, you're, okay, so you're saying it's a reach, but then you're saying like Tyler Smith might not be a reach, but I feel it's the same thing. Like I think consensually across the board, Daniel Jones was ranked in the first round. So for them to take him in the first round means that they just took the best player at that position that they needed at that time, and he was ranked in the first round. So why would that be a reach? That's my whole thing. 32 teams don't need a quarterback. So it can't be a reach if, if every team doesn't have the same needs, right? Right, of course. Like Obviously, every team's looking at it a bit differently, but I think the closer you are to the beginning of the draft, the more the reaches are in single digits. Yeah. And the closer you get, it's like, oh, that that changes what a reach is. Um, yeah, I mean, no, you're right. I, I look at the end of the day, like, no, Daniel Jones could have been, could have turned into a really good quarterback and then we would have had the, a different... Not with those khakis on, I'll tell you that. Well, but the issue with Daniel Jones is like, and, and, and again, like I'm, I'm contradicting myself because I'm like, no one knows how to evaluate, but like when you look at Daniel Jones, it's like, holy shit, like, you saw this guy as a first round pick, like, and he's a good quarterback. What not to do? Yeah, like yeah. and like that's this is the issue with quarterback play right now in the NFL. It's like Daniel Jones knows how to play quarterback. Guess what? It don't matter because he's not. He doesn't give you. He, he doesn't give you any extra boost. He's not an elite. He's not an elite at any one trait, which is like you have to be. He's just I a mean, very he's, good he's, athlete who's yeah. who's a decent quarterback, but that's not enough all, anymore. All three of us know how to play quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Varying degrees, right? varying degrees, different yeah. levels. Like I've thrown seven picks in a game. Pease has done it as well. Yeah, a couple of those. One time, Pease threw, one time, Pease threw seven picks, and five of them were were, were touchdowns. So like that's just a record. I hey, did all I do is throw touchdowns, Terry. Right? Doesn't matter which team. All I do is yeah, yeah. And Eagle, I did the same thing. It was like I think it was like three or four to turn back for touchdowns Thanks, this man. year. So yeah, I mean we all know how to play play, but we just don't do it at the same level. Yeah. Are we ranked in the first round? No. So nobody's drafting us. We'll put your Daniel think, Joneses out here. I think I could have played better than fucking Daniel Jones, though. I will say. <laughs> With Saquon Barkley back there, just give him the ball. Yeah, but the problem is yeah, all defenses knew plan. that then all the time. <laughs> and yeah, and he got hurt because there was 11 in the box at all times. <laughs> Poor Barkley. And, like, they didn't do anything. And the funny thing with Daniel Jones is, like, I always thought, like, when I saw him throw the ball down the field, I was like, hey, you're pretty accurate. Like, you can, you have enough arm to get the ball down there. He's just so risk-adverse. Um, so bad under pressure, you know. What about when he tripped over the ten yard line? That's he's like clearly pressure. uncoordinated. He felt the pressure like, scoring he, a touchdown. No, he wears khakis under his uniform, like he, he, no no mobility there. Yeah. Mac Jones wears a scuba suit because Tom Brady told him to, and 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 Daniel Jones wears khakis and a polo under his stuff. He can't move. Yeah. He went to Duke. I mean, does that <laughs> I surprise mean, you? <laughs> I feel like everybody's just wearing like khakis and like a blue polo over there, pink polo maybe. Yeah, that, that's the Duke. That's the Duke guitar. That's the that's the yeah. preppy Duke guitar, and you have to live with that your whole life, even when you're whole drafted life. into the NFL. Yeah, exactly. So you can't that, you can't just fake it. The draft here, it's done. That was like as a draft analyst, your Super Bowl. Um, I'm sure there's a ton of work that went into that. Now you're in kind of post mortem phase. When do you get a break, and what are you planning to do with it? Jeez. I, I, will, I will say, like, don't ever call me a draft analyst again, right. I swear to God. That's, like, the worst thing you could call somebody. Just call him an analyst. <laughs> yeah. Draft analyst. Draft analyst. Yeah. I'm a, I, I, don't, I, I only do the draft stuff. I should say this out loud. But, like, I mean, I, I like watching football. I like watching the players. But I'm not super into, like, process and strategy and stuff like that. You know, you guys know me. I, I like coaching. I like scheme, like, stuff Texas like that. So. Your articles, so, by the way, your articles on on just like schemes and stuff that I had read going back a couple of years before you were pro football focused, I thought were like super enlightening, and I, I learned a lot just from reading your work because of that, because of your your analysis of X and yeah. O's and stuff. And no carryover to, to on the field stuff. You're no, never, still never nothing. No, it's no, like, no. Same, honestly, same. application is a different world, suck. Seth. Yeah, yeah. Book smart I, and street smart, right? I mean, I can throw thirty. I can throw a, like a ten yard out, right? Yeah, I can do it. Can you, you just don't know when to do it. Yeah, that's the issue. Because <laughs> my fat body is taking sixteen <laughs> seconds to release my arm. Uh, the jiggle is slowing me down. Remember that episode of Sim- uh, Simpsons when when Homer went to the doctor and he flicked his belly, yes, yes. and he's like, "Cancel my one o'clock." Like that's <laughs> that's basically me whenever I throw. It just it just it just never stops. 
Uh, I have my my issue is like my setting my feet are so hor- I I end up throwing all this sidearm bullshit anyways. No one needs, no one cares. Oh, you're rich scanning um, it. That's yeah, good. Yeah, but it's like rich scanning without my setting my feet. It's yeah, and without no the MVP. Yeah. I, I I have a lot of prep work to do. Um, we 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 work with. I mean, uh, I work with my boss Chris Collinsworth on prepping for Sunday night football. You know, we start that early enough that so we're not behind the eight ball when the season starts and some other stuff like that. And the main thing I'm working on now is like college football preview magazine. I got to watch, I'm watching like every quarterback in college football who's going to start. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. And I'm going yeah, to, I'm going to do a self harm uh, as I get, like I started with the, with the top guys. So it's like, I'm watching good quarterback play and, I, and it's like getting worse and worse. Side note, um, I have a question about Chris Collinsworth. Yeah. Do you guys ever like just show up at the office, everybody in like a sweater with like a dress shirt under, and you kind of just like slide past his office? Do you ever like I feel like I would do that every day. It's like every, yeah, every single yeah. day. <laughs> uh, it's actually it, he it's in our it's a uh, clause in our contract. Oh. Um, we can't even say the word slide, even out of even in different contexts. <laughs> I've, I've heard he's patented the word slide. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can't say it, or he'll sue you. Seth, I love I'm going to leave you. With I, I love how hard he rides for the Cowboys too. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to uh, leave you with something, uh, something nice to say about you, which is out of character for me, of course. But um, <laughs> I just got finished on Monday night calling uh, play-by-play for the women's uh, flag football finals, and there were there's a lot of people in that community who have nothing but nice things to say about you um, and the work that you've done. With uh, women's flag football, it's uh, it's really cool. It's a it's a world I'm new to. I didn't realize how communal that 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 world is, and it, there's something about that level of competitiveness without the assholeness that <laughs> that tends to come with with men's football. It's it's really it's fun. It's been a fun experience for me, and and I can imagine the same for you. So definitely a shout out to you there, and and honestly, keep up the great work that you're doing with the Pro Football Focus. It's a it's a blast to talk to you every time we do. I, you know, I started coaching women's football, like the Montreal Blitz, like yeah. 2016, I think. That, yeah. And I keep, keep trying to quit, and I can't. <laughs> yeah, <they> don't <laughs> like, let I you. can't. I'm like, I just can't quit these people. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I've, I've built some really good relationships there, and um, hoping to keep growing. We're trying to create a, a Canada-wide um, football league. It's going to take some time. But I do know that the flag football scene in in Quebec is is continues to grow every year, and in most CJEPs have a team now. Like it's, it's crazy, yeah. um, and and we're getting we got the first year of or maybe it's the second year now of of a university, you know, U Sports. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's 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 in the under the U Sports umbrella yet, but at it's least in Quebec, not, we'll get it's it. not under U Sports. Yeah. It's not under Football Quebec, but they're working on on certification, right. which is. Cool. That's all good stuff, man. It's, just, yeah. it's a way to grow the game. You know, one of the hardest things, you know, all other women's sports have the ability to have a grassroots program. You can play basketball if you're a woman, if you're a girl in high school. You can do it. You can play soccer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You just can't can't do that. So at least the flag football scene is growing at an immense rate. Um, like you said, at, at CJEP in high school, and um, and yeah, that's it. Um. I was I was in Cuba. Side note, I was in Cuba and I was watching for some reason on like whatever ESPN channel they had. Um, there was a lot of college women's women's college softball games. And oh, those huge, games, huge! Like I'm I was watching Alabama crowds, versus Tennessee. I was crowds are crazy. Games. Yeah, it's bananas. I was well, into even it. The, I, was, the I watched like three full games. The women's NCAA uh, basketball tournament had the highest ratings it's ever had. Like it's it shows Dude. if you put if you invest in it, it'll grow. Barcelona, Real Madrid, I think it's the quarterfinals of the Women's Champions League, had 92,000 people at the camp now. Like, that's craziness. That's wild. That's, wild. that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and the so, Arizona Coyotes are going to have 5,000 people watching <laughs> eight, 41 dude, games next year. That's good. The, the athletics, less people than the Expos used to have. Oh, man. Yeah. I've been 20, there. And like 20, so the thing is, with I, I know this for a fact, that uh, baseball executives are famous for uh, sort of fudging the numbers of the attendance like they'll buy a thousand tickets and give yeah. them out to like a, a grade school um so that's probably like they they probably only had 1400 in attendance in reality <laughs> you know so um Seth, thank you so much for joining us we had a good time uh get some rest dude uh, it's, i know it's a thank busy you. time for you and uh, we'll talk soon bud thanks seth appreciate it buddy see you guys Later. and we're back poor guy working all the time 
<laughs> yeah, I know. I, I was just like, hey, where are you going to go on vacation? You know, pull a Terry Tam and disappear on your boss. And he's like, I never get vacation. <laughs> I've I been love on Seth vacation. Because, like, if you know him well, you know when he's joking, but it never sounds like he's joking. Yeah, he's <laughs> he very sarcastic. Yeah, yeah he's, he's very uh, satirical, I will yeah. say. All right, let's Big get fan. into some rapid fire here. First one we're going to start off with is not my job. Tennessee Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill was asked by the media members if he intended to mentor rookie quarterback Malik Willis. This was his response during the press conference. Me and quarterback room in the same room. You know, we're we're competing against each other. We're uh, you know watching the same tape. We're we're doing the same drills. Uh, I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but uh, you know if he learns learns from me along the way, then. Uh, then that's a great thing. So our our group tag our group chat explored about this. I Graphite Duke was anti Tannehill. I was pro Tannehill on this one. To me, um, it's not his job. His job is play quarterback, and they're trying to replace him. And if you want your guy to be competitive, that's him being competitive. He's saying, show up, do the work, and look. If you take my job, you take my job. But I'm not going to give it to you. How is he supposed to answer that question? It's such a shit. I hate that question, by the way. Like, what I do you expect the guy to say? And like, he, the, the guy's not old. He's still, like, you know, in somewhat of his prime of his career. His team was first in the NFL last it's year. It's not his fault. Like, his prime is not that great, Terry. Yeah, exactly. That's just his talent his level. <laughs> yeah. The, He's reached. Saying, blame genetics. The, the correct answer on this question is, well, I'm not going to go out of my way to no. teach him how to play quarterback. I'm going to lead by example, and if he wants to take my spot away, he's going to have to work for it. I'm just, look, I listened to Brian Tannehill say nothing in Miami for five years. I was happy he actually said a thing. I, I'm on your side, Terry. I think it's a terrible question. I think it's, a, it's, it's be- worst, case, worst case for the journalists. They get no answer, but they're hoping for like clickbait, and that's what he got. That's it, exactly. All right, next, Mercury Rising. The U.S. government has determined that Phoenix Mercury star Brittany Griner has been wrongfully detained and will seek to negotiate her return. So my question is, what will they bargain for her? Is it a drug dealer? Is it a KGB spy? Is it potentially a whole bunch of nuclear missiles? Time will tell. <laughs> I would well, love they're, to see a list of her. everybody the states have that Russia, that belongs to Russia. I would love to see a list, and I'd be like, okay, so let's eliminate like these guys because they probably leak some Ukrainian stuff from Biden. So let's eliminate those guys. And now let's go to the bottom of the list. Because like as Griner, she's not political. She has nothing that the U.S. needs. So like if they're getting her out, like they're only getting her because they want her. Right? Well, but it's, it's – so Brittany Griner is, is essentially like – it's as if Kobe or LeBron were to be held captive in another country. And I know the WNBA is not as pro- high profile as the NBA, but she's an absolute superstar in the league. Yeah. Um, and besides her stardom, she is being held on a bullshit charge on a country in a country against her will, um, without even talks of extradition during a war. Like it's it's the worst case scenario. And again, what I said the first time this happened is um, I put this on the WNBA because the reason. The reason she has to play in Russia is you don't. She makes more money playing in Russia than she does playing in the WNBA, which has huge corporate sponsors. It's nonsense to me. It doesn't make sense. And I, I mean, are they saying that they, they planted this in this the CBD oil thing? I don't think so. But come, but like, okay, people get stopped for for uh, narcotics. They're they're calling her a drug mule in Russia. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, they have to do this. Putin every time he goes in front of the camera, he blames the CIA for anything. Yeah. Can be anything. Putin, why? CIA and the, Nazi, the Nazis in the Ukraine, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, see, uh, hey, Putin, why is their bridge not being built in uh, Saint Petersburg? You know, it's supposed CIA? to be built a month ago. CIA. CIA's C- fault. CIA and Ukrainian yeah. Nazis. Yeah. Every All right. Moment. Next. Half-baked idea. A spectator at the Netflix of the Joke Festival tackled Dave Chappelle while he was on stage, and this was captured on footage, which is the best part of this. Oh, oh yeah, there's, like, there's one, one of the guys like right behind it, actually. But he gets beat up by like by Buster Rhymes and Jamie Foxx. Like, it's crazy. Did you see the picture of the guy after? He had the same arm as, uh, as uh, GPJ did. Like, his, arm, his arm was like this. I was gonna say, who took it to that guy, Dylan Brooks? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> did he did did he give him the Gary Payton Jr. Uh, treatment? Like, I don't. We don't even know why this guy tackled Chappelle. We don't. Like, here's, Chappelle? The, here's the craziest detail that I just read about on the Uber to the studio. Um, the dude had a knife that he had concealed inside of a fake gun that 
<laughs> that he stuck into the, st- the, the, the the place and he attacked. Well, what's happened? Like like we've seen. Dude, players you can't bring a knife to a you can't bring a knife to a to a, to a comedy show. Oh fuck! What do I do? Put it in your gun. Put oh, it okay, in cool. your gun. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's it doesn't even doesn't even make sense. And on top of that, um, what what's happening? We've seen since since like you know uh, things have reopened. We've seen players have bottles thrown at them. We've seen uh, people just be horrendous. Mike Tyson. I don't in the, remember in the airplane. I don't remember this many public moments where people who live public lives found themselves as targets. Mike Tyson did you, on the plane. Yeah, Mike Tyson on the plane. Yeah. Is a great example. Like that's a crazy one. I who, mean, that guy. Who would antagonize Mike Tyson? But anyway, we, we did that. We did that show already. I don't know. <laughs> All right, next. Don't you know the Mets have designated Robinson Cano Cano uh, for assignment, effectively ending his tenure with the team? It's my shtick, Mo. I have to make up his uh, bad his nickname is in the title, Eagle. His nickname is not Cano. It's Don't you know Robinson Cano? Cano. Yeah, Robinson Cano. Cano. Robinson Cano. Don't uh, you Cano? Forty million dollars off the books to like the like the chunky Robinson Cano, great locker room guy. Like we all love Robinson Cano, but realistically. He, like, is Luis Guillorme, is he a better option in the infield for him? Maybe not, yeah. but well, he will we can't pay. You, like, I'd rather pay, yeah. to, like, if I'm if I'm the owners of the Mets, like, I'd rather pay to see him go home than pay him to devalue my team, especially this team that's looking really good. This team year. looks really good, and they're doing it without the best pitcher in baseball and Jim yeah. DeGrom. Um, DeGrom. I'm just sad because Robinson Cano is the next most likely person to get 3,000 hits after Miguel Cabrera did earlier this season. And with the way um, those two bodies aged, I thought Miguel Cabrera got chunkier faster. So I yeah. didn't think Cabrera would get there, but he did. He did. He did. And yeah. uh, When Robinson there's a will, Cano, there's a way. Yeah. Robinson Cano, unfortunately, I don't think he'll get to that mark. So it's a... It's a, I, I was so happy when I signed him. You know, baseball is a long season, and and this guy's almost forty. I think he is forty, and he's getting he's gonna get paid. Like he's fine. Like let's just get, yeah. He's, it just, he's okay. it just from a fan's perspective, it just it sucks to see him go out that way. You know, I mean? didn't like I didn't like the signing originally because of because of the age, and I was like, all right, whatever. You know, it's Robinson Cano. Maybe he'll hit us like fifteen home runs, and but it didn't work so, out. So let me ask you, Terry, with the Mets doing so well without Jacob Degrom, how Mets would it be? That the second he returns, they stop scoring runs. How Mets would it be? It would and, be unbelievable. And they miss the playoffs. <laughs> Marte will just uh, suddenly stop, not know how to hit a pitch. Um, I'm I mean, for, Lind- I'm Lindor is not getting on base. Like he's gonna start batting 190. Like that's it'll just be Lindor from last season. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. It'll be tough. It'll be tough. And last story, I actually changed the title on this one. I thought we were family. Uh, Justin, director Justin Lin has stepped down as the director of the final installment of the Fast and Furious chapter, or awesome. saga, I guess, uh, called Fast X, uh, citing that Vin Diesel being too difficult to work with. Yeah. <laughs> the guy was Groot, for fuck's sakes. How difficult can he be? He said one line for an entire <laughs> movie. Um, he was also the Iron Man, who also said, like, nothing. Listen, we, it's it's... <laughs> the thing is, um, it is hard. It's hard to be one of the greatest thespians in, in movie history, right? So, like, yeah, it's like a we, tough job. It's like tough Al Pacino, uh, you know, Robert yeah. De Niro. These guys are hard to work with. You know what I mean? I was explaining to my girlfriend that, like, fighters, it's they always say it's easy to win the belt. It's hard to keep it, and for him to be on the top for so long, it's hard for Vin Diesel to keep, you know, to keep the respect going. I think. It just it sucks. Uh, you know, Justin Lin was involved for five movies. He brought Han back from the dead, uh, from Tokyo Drift, and now who knows how that story is going to end. He was also Groot, by the way. This person is too hard what? to work with. Yeah, the guy who did the voice yeah, for guy. the Iron Giant is too hard to work with. Also Groot. Also Groot. He had the one line, "I am Groot." Um, but yeah, so it's it's sad to see because of course, uh, and I I actually mean this with no irony, the the Fast franchise along with John Wick are the action movies of our time. They made 10 of them. That's mm-hmm. success by any metric. There's going to be a whole like part of Hollywood dedicated to Fast and Furious. There's going to be rides. Yeah. Um, well, there is already. I mean, at, uh, at uh, Universal Studios. Yeah, I don't know if there's rides, but you can go see all the cars from the originals yeah, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But there, I think but, uh, there will be rides. I think there's there going to be a whole ride. It's like a CGI Universal. thing on a I'm doing the. Truck. I'm still I'm still doing the Avengers, uh, like all of them from the beginning. And then... Um, but I think I'm gonna do Fast and Furious when I'm done all that. Oh, because like, I've only seen just like company, a couple of them. If you need company, I'm down. I'm down for a fast marathon. So let me know, Terry Bear. Um, Eagle, 
Thank you for uh, everything you've done today. Thanks to Seth Galina for joining us from Pro Football Focus. I uh, want to thank everyone who has uh, liked, subscribed, watched, rated, reviewed. Uh, that's how we keep the lights on here. Terry, thank you for returning from Tropical Cuba. It was fun to do the show with you again, uh, my dude. Mo Khan, thank you for your patience. Off camera, he says thank you as well. Uh, but most of all, of course, I want to thank you all for letting me be myself. You've been listening to Hot Sauce Sports. We'll